some other fun facts about Christmas. Do you know that 45% of the world, 45% of the world celebrate Christmas in some form? Um, of that, in, in 80% of the countries, 80% of countries in the world acknowledge, well, acknowledge wrongly uh, December the 25th as a, as a public holiday. That's, yeah, Christmas, I guess what I'm trying to say, Christmas is a big deal. Christmas is a big deal. Every time you write the date, now I didn't have time to research into why they got the date wrong if we pretty much know that Jesus wasn't born on zero, but um, um, every time you write the date, you are acknowledging Christmas. Every time. Every time someone writes today, 2023, you're acknowledging the birth of someone who actually divided our calendar into two. Across the world, uh, people are putting up lights, well, have put up lights, sending cards, exchanging gifts, singing carols. We went to um, the carol service last weekend at Empire Park where some of our uh, church guys were on the team. And what a wonderful experience. We got to a carol service somewhere, including today. So, well, well done. But people gather and they sing songs and they, they sing the words about Jesus. They, they tell the stories. They, they send the cards about Jesus. And yet, not many people pause long enough to consider the significance. This is a significant day. I, I saw a friend of mine posted, not that I go on Facebook much at all, but um, he said, people, celebra it's, people celebrate Jesus' birthday on Christmas. And I get what they're saying, but no, no, no. Christmas is about celebrating Jesus' birth. Big difference between a birthday and actually celebrating the person of Jesus. And so um, today I want to just spend a few moments just to share a little bit about Christmas, which is fair enough. As, as a preacher, you think, oh, Mark, Christmas must be the easiest message for you to preach because, you know, the content's pretty normal, you know, you can't stray too much. Yeah, it's one of the hardest messages I find. What dimension of Christmas do I share? Because Christmas is significant. It changed the world. And uh, I know Dave shared last week about the prophetic fulfillment of Christmas, and that's just astounding. And so this morning, I want to talk a little bit about the, the hope of Christmas, the hope of Jesus, because 2,000 years ago, Christmas provided a thrill of hope, with the, which the girls so beautifully sang, a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. And I believe more than ever, our world needs hope. I believe more than ever, as you look across the landscape of the world we live in, a our families need hope. Our community needs a message of hope. Our nation needs a message of hope. They're, they're singing it, they're sending cards about it, but they're forgetting the person of hope. We're living in a world that in many ways is dark and challenging and hard, and people are full of fear. It was interestingly, it was pretty much the same sort of world that Jesus came a dark, broken, messy, chaotic, desperate, lonely, and hurting world Jesus inserted himself into, into our darkness. We sung the song, Light of the World. You step down into darkness. And Jesus not only did that 2,000 years ago, he can do that and wants to do that into the darkness today. The prophet Isaiah would write this. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. What a great promise. 
You know, the nation of Israel, they were, they were in darkness and despair, and the prophets would come, and they would give them hope. He would say, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulon and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. And the people who dwell and walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. What an incredible promise of hope for the nation of Israel. And no matter how dark their time was, the promise is that light would come. And the same thing is for you and me today. No matter how dark your situation may be, or how hard it is, the promise of Christmas, the promise of Jesus, says that a light will shine in the darkness. One of the songs we, we sung just early, one of the beautiful carols, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in their dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Something significant happened in the, in the little town of Bethlehem, where the hopes of the nation of Israel, when their, their greatest hopes and fears all intersected on that one night. Bethlehem was and is, and like it will always be, a little town. The population of Bethlehem is around about twenty to 25,000 people. It's a small little town that is steeped in ancient history. When we uh, visited our, our family in England, we'd often go to different sites and we'd see a little plaque on the wall that says, this is where Charles Dickens was born. Well, that's pretty cool. It's a significant historical site. Or we'd say, this is where John Bunyan was born. And so, who enjoys looking at all those historical things when you... And so, there's something significant about spaces. So, if you were to go to Bethlehem, and if there happened to be a plaque there telling who was born in this little town of Bethlehem, you would see that, that King David was born in Bethlehem. You see a plaque that the one who became the giant slayer was born in Bethlehem. And I bet the nation of Israel were wishing, I wish David was around now so he could deliver us from the Romans that are making life incredibly difficult. So Bethlehem was significant in the history of Israel. And then, there was a, then the prophets would speak of Bethlehem. The prophet Micah would say, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are only a small village amongst all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins, origins are from the distant past. The prophets would speak of a town, the little town of Bethlehem, and they would say, you know what, you're not nothing, you're not a small insignificant town, because from you a ruler will come. So Bethlehem was a significant town at a significant time. Because, and he gave the nation of Israel something to hope for. But you know, that prophecy from Micah, that was, that was 700 years before Jesus would, would come. Maybe for the nation of Israel, they're, they're waiting for the ruler, and yet the real ruler hasn't turned up yet. Maybe he was wrong. Maybe if you're an Israelite and you're, and you're living and waiting for the ruler, maybe you think, maybe Micah got it wrong. Maybe one day God will send a deliverer. Maybe. Maybe one day God will remember us. And if you look at, and so God sent prophet after prophet after prophet, they would come and give Israel hope for the future. They would give Israel hope that no matter how dark your situation is, that, he, that God sees your situation and God has a promise of hope for you. 
And that is in the person of Jesus. And so 300 years after the prophet Micah gave him that hope, the prophet Malachi would come across. And if you've got your Bibles, who actually brings paper Bibles to church anymore? Well done. The prophet Malachi, he is known for a bunch of things, but who can tell me what he's known for as far as chronologically? Yes, it wasn't on the Kahoot. He wrote, someone said it, he wrote the last book in the Old Testament. He wrote the last of the, the Hebrew Bible. And so in his very last words, he would say, the time will come. The Messiah will come. And before that day comes, he will send the prophet Elijah. And, and, and Malachi reminds them of the hope that Messiah is coming. But after Malachi wrote his final words and put a full stop at the end, the heavens were silent for 400 years. God did not reveal himself through the scriptures to his people. For, for 400 years, there was a, the, the period of silence. No prophecies, no angels, no, no chapters in our Bible, nothing. But what happened in these 400 years was incredibly significant. Because in those 400 years, between Malachi, who said the Messiah will come, and reminded them there is hope, in those 400 years, the world changed socially, politically, and, and religiously. Palestine, the nation where we find uh, Israel, the, the Israelites, would change dramatically. In fact, in those 400 years, Alexander the Great would conquer the known world. And the world would effectively become Greek. Any Greeks here today? You can be proud of it. You can put your hand up if you're here. But the world became Greek. Greek in their thinking, they, they began to think like Greeks, and think Greek in their philosophies. And so through the Greek, Alexander the Great and the Greek uh, rulership, there was a lot of religious freedom. The, that Sure, that promoted Greek culture, which was significant. And that Greek culture wasn't particularly, didn't work too well with the Israelites. Because uh, the Greek culture was uh, very humanistic, very worldly, very pleasure-seeking and very ungodly. And so as a result, the, you, you find the Greeks started, the culture started to influence the nation and the faith of Israel. In fact, if you, if you have your Bibles, you'll see sometimes in the footnotes that there's a, a phrase that says LXX. It's, a, it's a Roman name numerals for 70. Um, but what it is, it is the, the, Septu, the Septuagint. I know it's a bit nerdy, sounds a bit you know, geeky. But it's, it's, it's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. That was written in that space uh, as, the nation, as, as the Middle East became Greek. Eventually the Romans would come and conquer the Greeks. Any Italians here today? No? Oh, welcome. What's an Italian greeting? Buongiorno. I don't know. Sorry if that offends you. Anyway, the Romans would conquer the Greeks. Yay for the Romans. Everyone go, yay for the Romans. Greeks bad, Romans better. Anyway, but the world became not Greek anymore. The world became Roman. And as those who study history, that's a significant empire that the Romans created. And the, and the, the nations of the world became uh, ruled by the Caesars of Rome, the emperors. Uh, eventually, the, the emperors would make Herod king of Israel, uh, king of Judea. Uh, he was appointed there by the Romans and the Senate, uh, and they would, in fact, under, under the Roman rule, we would find Jesus was born, Jesus was arrested, 
and Jesus was eventually crucified on a Roman cross. And so we find in the nation of Israel, around, around that time, around the first century, it was a, 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 a conglomeration of, of religion and faith, and, and a lot of things were going back and forth. Uh, the Romans were oppressing and taxing and making things very difficult for the Jews, who were trying to hang on to their faith, hang on to their religion, but there's a lot of pushback, a lot of challenge. It was a difficult time. But these events, it paints the backdrop for the Christmas story. Because once again, the Jewish people found themselves conquered, oppressed, and, uh, and, their, and their faith polluted. Their hope was running low. Their faith was even lower. They were convinced now that the only one that is going to save them from this, from this mess that they're in, they're hanging on for the Messiah. The prophets had prophesied it. God had said the Messiah is coming. Things have been going from bad to worse. Surely the Messiah must be coming Soon, the people were struggling with hopelessness and helplessness. And it's exactly here, in the narrative of biblical history, in the, in the narrative of, of history, that the Roman emperor had a great idea. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. Probably looking a bit like Al. Or Seth. And so, I don't know if they rode a donkey or not. I know some of you thought that there's no evidence. To, it's likely that she rode and he walked, but the Bible doesn't tell us. And so, so the, Luke in his telling, do you know, out of the Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, how many of those Gospel writers tell us the Christmas story? Hands up if you think all four Gospel writers tell us the Christmas story. Three? Two. Two. Only two Gospels, and oh, that, that, that's a whole other conversation for another time. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, only Matthew and Luke actually tell us the story of, of Joseph and Mary and angels and shepherds and wise men. That's all found. If you're looking for them, you'll find them in Matthew and in Luke. Mark has a different approach. Mark, is sort of, Mark, Mark sort of starts with John the Baptist. He's, sort of, he's very quick. He just wants to move on and get to what he's trying to say. I'll talk about John in a minute. Anyway, so, so Luke so beautifully tells us, so simply tells us the story that they, Mary was pregnant. They had to go to get uh, registered for the census. And then he says, so simply, in Luke chapter 2, verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. You know, if I was God, just clarifying I'm not. You don't need that clarification. My family don't anyway. I would, and this was my son that was being born. I'd be looking for some better lodging for him. Sure. You know, something a bit more comfortable. Maybe, maybe a home birth would be nice. Maybe, maybe, in fact, all the births were home births back in um, that day. 
But if I was God and my son was entering the world, I'd be trying to, and I, and, I, and I could create and do anything. I'd be wanting the very best environment for my son to be born. Comfortable, safe, warm, not smelly and messy and noisy. You know, it's, it's not, as, as Christians, it's, it's not a mystery to us that Jesus wasn't born in the palace. Because you know that the king that Jesus would become would be a king that's like no other. And so it's not surprising that, that he wasn't born in the palace. What I'm surprised by is that if, if Bethlehem was where Joseph's family came from, I was surprised that none of his family had space for him. Just thinking. I'm wondering why. Could, could it be that you know, there was a bit of a scandal attached to, to Mary's pregnancy? Maybe his family were... I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But certainly... What we do know is that when Jesus was born, he was born in a lowly cattle shed. Well, according to who? Maybe not. But he was put placed in a manger. And so, so when this happened, if you know the story of Christmas, which obviously you don't, um, well, you do. Um, but if you know the songs of Christmas, you know while shepherds watch their watch their socks, watch their flocks by night, you, you know that you know that the angels appeared to. The shepherds. How many angels spoke to the shepherds? One spoke. One spoke, thank you. Um, but this is what the angel said. He said, the angel firstly said, don't be afraid. And that's a good thing to know. When you, meet an angel, when you meet an angel, don't be afraid. He says, fear not, said he, for mighty dread had... What? I forgot the words. Okay. He said, don't be afraid. He says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Repeat after me. Good news. Great joy. All people. What a great three-point message for Christmas next year. Over that next year. All right. Because I'm just going to go. All people means you and me and the person sitting next to you. All people. And so, so uh, the good news. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. But when the angels returned to heaven, there's a bit of story between them, that's not important for this. The angels then returned to heaven, and the shepherds said to each other, Hey, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. As they went, I wonder what expectations they had. What expectations about Messiah do the shepherds have? We're not told a great deal. I'm sure they're I'm wondering, you know, is he going to be you know, a nice round head or a pointy head? Uh, is he, is he going to have a halo on his head? Is he, when we look at this baby, is he going to be somehow going, wow, you're the Messiah. Is, it, is he going to be so, so significant that just one look at Jesus as a baby is going to transform their life? I'm sure they'd be wondering those questions. Try to put yourselves back in. Angels have appeared. Told you Messiah's going to get born. Maybe they were expecting him to be born in the palace or in the, in the best uh, hotel. And so I'm not even sure if they knew the address they had to go to. They just had to go to Bethlehem, knock on every door in Bethlehem, and try to find, no, you don't look like a Messiah. I don't know. We don't know what's going on. But what we do know, eventually they find Mary, teenage Mary, I find Joseph, who is probably, like all dads, sort of lost for words, unable to actually do much. And they found a baby. Just an ordinary baby. 
They went looking for the Saviour. They went looking for the Messiah. But they found a baby. But this was not an ordinary baby. This baby was God's plan for humanity. This baby would become and be the hope and the light of the world. Back to our four gospel writers. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Now, now John, he, and it says Mark, Mark doesn't talk about the, the, the story of, of the, uh, the Christmas events. John sort of does, but not in the way we expect. John would say at the beginning of his gospel, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognise him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So, so well, while Matthew and Luke are trying to tell us the how Jesus came into the world, John seems to be more interested in the why Jesus, Jesus came. What is the why between the what? And here in the beginning of the gospel, he makes it very clear. Jesus came to give us, to give you and me the right, the opportunity to become a child of God. And the way to do that, according to John, is simply to believe and accept in Jesus. Now, it's just, in fact, it's more than just believing. Because I believe that this still exists. Can you believe? Can, who believes that? Yeah. I believe it exists. But the word John uses regarding believing is more like this. It's putting our trust in him. It's not a, a lot of the world believe in Jesus. But the difference is, and John makes it very clear, that we, he is saying if we want to become a child of God, the opportunity is given, the light of the world has come. And we can, we can experience that by simply believing, placing our weight, placing our trust in the person of Jesus. According to John, the why behind the what is so that you and I can have a personal relationship with him. <coughs> the whole why between the whole why behind the shepherds and the wise men and the king and the, the whole the whole reason for all of that was so that you and I could have a personal connection and relationship with Father God. John would also write probably one of the most familiar verses in Scripture. Certainly if you're a, a church person, you, you'll be familiar with this. Uh, he would say in John 3.16, he would say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Many of you would know that verse. That's a, a very famous verse talking about, again, John wrote it. John, remember, John wrote his gospel. It's the last gospel to have been written. John was an old man when he wrote his gospel. When he wrote his gospel, chances he had seen Jesus. He'd lived with Jesus. He'd, he'd walked with Jesus. He'd seen Jesus crucified. He'd seen him resurrected. He'd, uh, he'd, he'd been there and he'd watched the, the, the people, his friends get persecuted, his friends get martyred. He'd see the church grow. He'd, he'd watch and he'd, he's sitting back and he's, at the end of his life, he's writing his gospel. He's saying, the whole reason all this happened is that you and I have the opportunity to become a child of God. That is the whole purpose, that we will believe in Jesus. Not just a baby in a manger. So it was true in John 3, 16, that God loves the whole world. 
But, but it's more than that. It's true that God loves everybody. And that is true. He loves absolutely everybody. But, but, but it is more than that. And it's true that God has a, a plan, a good plan for the entire world. But, but John's message is it's, it's more than that. John's message is that, that the message of Christmas gives us a personal invitation. A personal invitation to believe and accept Him. The question I have for you this Christmas weekend. Now if you're here, just point of, if you're here tomorrow, you get to do the Kahoot again and maybe do better tomorrow. <laughs> but but the, that's a good reason to come tomorrow to do better. But if you might get a prize for tomorrow. Yeah, pressure. Alright. The whole the whole point. The whole the question I'm going to leave you with is what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with him? As a historical figure, you, and it's undeniable that he existed. The, the Bible makes it very clear on who he was. And the Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, not so much. Matthew, Luke, and John tell us the story of his birth. John tells us why he came. That you can have a relationship with him. It's your choice what you will do with that. The song that... And I'm not going to team up and we'll close the joy to the world in a moment. The song that Estella and Jasmine sung for us. There's a small portion of it. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Here's a glimpse of, of the world of darkness and despair that the Israelites found themselves in. Maybe darkness and despair that you might find yourself in today. Maybe Christmas you've got the smiles on the outside, but, but you know on the inside it's hard. Long lay the world in, in sin and just error pining or just brokenness and despair. Till he appeared. Till Jesus came and the soul felt its worth. There's something about the appearance of Jesus. Not, the, not just the baby in the manger, but Jesus, the Son of God. That should give us a thrill of hope. Maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling hopeless. Yeah, after the service, we do have some people who'd love to pray with you. If you're feeling a despair and, 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 and a hopelessness and you're here and you've got the Christmas smile on, but deep on the inside you're just hurting. A thrill of hope. Christmas, the message of Christmas should remind us that hope came and the weary soul rejoices. Maybe your soul is weary this morning. For yonder breaks a new and glorious dawn. Friends, the light of the world came. His name is Jesus. He shines into the dark places. He shines into your pain, into your confusion, into your hurt. Into all the questions you have. You know what? His light can shine into those places. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morning. You know, as we celebrate Christmas today, yeah, let's, let's celebrate family. Let's enjoy food. I don't need permission for that, but I give you permission. Mark said I could. Except my kids. Enjoy family. Enjoy all that Christmas is. Enjoy the gifts. Enjoy the opportunities and moments. Enjoy that. I think God wants us to enjoy family. Because that's why he said Jesus. He came in and Jesus came so we would be part of his family. So let's, let's enjoy and, and, and celebrate the baby in a manger and, and, and enjoy the carols that we sing. 
but let's also recognize the profound significance of this baby. He was no ordinary child. The Christmas story invites us to respond. It's an invitation to respond with faith and receive the greatest gift that's available to you. Good news. The good news is we can become a child of God. Great joy. How good is it that the God of heaven calls a child? For all people. That includes you. Includes the guys watching online. Includes me. This Christmas, let's celebrate the King. I'm going to pray. Why don't we all stand up as I pray, please? Jesus, this morning we come to celebrate you. You are the hope of the world. Lord, we thank you that you came. We thank you that because of that, because the light came into the darkness, Lord, that we can experience the light of life. And Lord, I pray this weekend as we as we celebrate all that Christmas is, Lord, I pray that we'll be reminded of how significant that is. That 45% of this world will take time to celebrate, well, celebrate an event. But Lord, we know the why behind the what. And Lord, I pray that we would celebrate the why, that we could be known as your children, that we could come by faith, put our trust and believe and accept you. We don't need to work it out. We don't need to have, have it all in the nice, tidy little box. It starts with us just accepting that Jesus, you came for us, for me. And this morning, Lord, I just pray that we would just experience that hope, that thrill of hope that brings life and hope to our weary souls and our minds. And we ask this in Jesus' amazing, amazing name. Amen. Amen. So tomorrow we've got a service at 9 a.m. If you're up for it, we'd love to have you here. If, you, uh, if you'd love to hear this message again, you can bring me a score chart and tell me if I did better tomorrow than I did today. Kahoot, second chance of Kahoot. Come along, 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock, one hour service. We pray, Ali and I just pray and wish you the merriest of Christmas, the blessed time with your family, that you would just celebrate the why of Christmas. Thank you.